It's been a while between drinks since we last caught up with this man, who's a bit of a regular on the country. His name is Cameron Bagri, and Cameron, a cyclone by the name of Gabrielle, sort of got in the way in the past month or so. How long is the hangover going to be financially for this country, thanks to Gabrielle? Well, I guess there's three effects we need to be mindful of. Effect number one is the near term, the, the impact on this season and for the likes of the pip fruit industry, that's that's a pretty big economic loss. Yeah, you, you're talking trade cut equivalents. You know, exports are going to be down probably 20 to 25 percent, and the horse bay is going to be the brunt of that. The second economic effect is sort of the long term. You know, I think this is a 10 year economic recovery story for pip fruit and the wider horticultural sector because. You know, it takes you sort of five to six years to get back to full production. You've got to clear the land, the silt. You've got to have the money to reinvest. So the gap between the baseline, what we could have been achieving, versus where we're likely to be is, is a pretty big gap. We can close that gap the more government steps up to the plate and provides assistance. And the third thing is that, look, one of the lessons of Gabrielle is that New Zealand is not fit for purpose in managing climate change. So we're going to get knocked around a little bit more. And there's a whole lot of regions out there, Hawke's Bay, Gisborne, Tasman, Canterbury, that are hellishly exposed to flood risk. You know, so we've got to be a lot more proactive managing the risks surrounding climate change. You know, Cyclone Gabrielle is just a big wake-up call. Yeah, exactly. We talk about adaptation versus mitigation, and I'm kind of leaning on the adaptation side of the equation because I'm thinking some of this climate change is inevitable. We have to prepare for this. We just need to be more climate resilient. Yeah, and if you look at the numbers that are getting thrown around in regard to Cyclone Gabrielle, which sort of a, a 10 to $15 billion number, I'll be multiplying that by 10 to 20. Yeah, if you look at there was a report out by NEWA in 2019 that identified 675,000 people across New Zealand were vulnerable to some sort of flood risk. And so we're going to start talking about managed retreat from certain areas. And today's dollars is about $200 billion with buildings at risk, about 19,000 kilometres of the road, road, road network, about one-third of the rail network. You think about the electricity generation, you think about three-water piping. Yeah, we've literally, I think, got a 10, 20, 30-year reinvestment program, and I use the term reinvestment intentionally. This is not about rebuilding. This is about reinvesting and making sure we've got better systems, processes, assets in place to manage what will have likely to be far more economic and weather-related volatility. OK, how are we going to pay for it, Cameron? Well, this is one we're not going to like, but, you know, if you look at society out there at the moment, yeah, we're all clamouring for tax cuts in regard to dealing with the cost of living crisis. If we can get tax rates unchanged, i.e. stop them from going up in the next 10 years, I think that will be one hell of an economic success. I think there's going to be a bias here for taxes to go up. We're going to have to make some pretty tough choices here because New Zealand, on many levels, has got dilapidated, very poor infrastructure and how we manage that infrastructure is a big problem as well. Uh, we're going to have a big debate about taxes going forward. Hey, let's talk about the banking system or the potential banking system collapse. Should we be thankful that the greedy Aussie banks are so well capitalised? Well, yes and no. Right? Because, yeah, it would be a little bit ironic if the banks got out there and sort of said, well, 
isn't a quote we make so much money because if you sort of turn that around and you say and you follow the logic of that argument, well, why not let them make more money? Yeah, there is a point at which you want that's so what's called the balance between risk versus return. I don't have a problem with the money that banks make. Yeah, they're big enterprises. The big thing I have, and people don't talk about in regard to banks, is balancing risk versus return. There's nothing making making strong returns, but let's take a little bit of risk on the other side. And what I see across the banking system at the moment is that yeah, you're a small business, you go in there, you want to get a loan, you are so highly securitised, you've sort of got to give them you know, half your life in regard to what they want, in regard to they want personal guarantees, they want you know, guarantee over your home, you, you name it. They securitise you right up to the hilt, and then, by the way, they're going to charge you a business margin as opposed to a, a housing loan margin, which is what it effectively is. So, yeah, nothing more the bank's making a lot of money, but let's get that balance right between risk versus return. Interest rates. Is the OCR, could we get away with just one more 25-point basis rise in the OCR, which I think would get us to, what, 5%? Because some pundits were suggesting we would go as high as 5.5% before it peaked. Yeah, well, that was a, the central scenario as of about 10 days ago, not just in New Zealand, but for the US Federal Reserve, which controls effectively the global cost of capital. Yeah, we see the shenanigans around the globe, SVB Bank, and it's obviously gone a lot further than that with some you know, credit suite as effectively had to be you know, taken over by another entity. Yet this thing is far from over. Uh, they are trying to re-fence it. Um, the hope is that they do, but market expectations have gone from anticipating rate hikes to maybe the next moves could be down. Uh, that said, and the market's still expecting the Reserve Bank, the Fed might do a little one more, and then they might be done. Now, that will be a good news story to me because this doesn't feel like you know, the global financial crisis on a whole lot of levels. For one, we've got one hell of an inflation problem at the moment, and that's a real complication for central banks because they've got financial stability concerns. At the same time, you've got a big inflation problem, and that sort of ties their hands in regard to what they can do. And the hope here at the moment is that they can separate the two. And if they can separate the two, maybe interest rates don't keep moving up but certainly interest rates I don't think are going to come crashing down very soon. But the key here is that keeping those two separate, and what we know, one of the things we're particularly keeping a close eye on globally, is that this is not a liquidity issue for the banking sector, such as we saw in 2008, 2009. The real impact of this, I think, in America and other countries is going to be the flow of credit, particularly into small, medium-sized enterprises. Now, if that flow of credit into small to medium-sized enterprises and the likes of America starts to get choked off, that's when you see real economic consequences. Exactly. Those small to medium-sized enterprises are the very businesses that are driving our economy, much like uh, farming. Cameron Bagri, could chat all day. Thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it. All the best, Jamie.